to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant, and today we are tackling the issue of control. Getting things under control does not have to be a bad thing. But what we are finding among many Christian women, mothers, wives, is that a lack of control or feeling that lack of control over too much in their lives because they have piled on too much is an all too common problem. And this affects me. I know it affects a lot of other mamas in our homeschooling community, in our church. And I wanted to help to bring it to the forefront today by inviting on a guest who has written a book all about control. What has been true in my life is that in my effort to take on too many things, I forget about the simple peaceful work that God calls us to. And I don't even like to call it work. It's like when God gives us a calling on our hearts, for me, it was when he called me home to be with my family and to take care of my house after making a career and uh, even working in full-time ministry. It became too much and it became too much because I allowed my life to spiral in a direction that wasn't where God was calling me to be. So I want to start this podcast off by just reminding you that all the things that you try to manage in your life, they're all good things, I'm sure, or you wouldn't be listening to a podcast like this and trying to learn how to either do it better or get closer to the Lord or have that practical family life. I'm sure they're all good things. But when we allow our busyness and our ability to handle all those things, to cover who we are in Christ, and then we forget about actually asking the Lord for help or what it means to lose control over certain things, I want us to get back to the basics today. And you'll really enjoy this interview because Jennifer Dukesley comes from a similar place in her life. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we get started. Jennifer Dukesley actually used to be a journalist. She covered everything from crime, politics, natural disasters as a reporter for a metropolitan daily newspaper. And now she's actually using her reporting skills, as she says, to chase after the biggest story ever, the redemptive story of Christ. She actually testifies to the fact that she didn't used to be a believer in God, and now the Lord has captured her heart, and she writes at her blog, jennifordukeslee.com, to encourage women to find who they are and to be made whole. She met her husband, Scott, in college, and they're raising two beautiful daughters. They actually live on a farm in rural Iowa. So Jennifer is a farmer's wife out in the country, writing books and encouraging women. She's also written two other books called Love Idol and The Happiness Dare. And her latest book, It's All Under Control, is out now. And this is what our interview is going to be based on. So here is my interview with Jennifer Dukesley on getting control under control. Well, welcome, Jen, to the Practical Family Podcast. It's been amazing to be able to follow your story in your book, It's All Under Control, a journey of letting go, hanging on, and finding a peace you almost forgot was possible. Yes. Jen, where did this 
message come from? How did it sort of well up in you and what made you want to share it? I must have always been having like control freak tendencies ever since I was a child, right? Like I was that sort of kid who had it all together and not control freaky like I want to be a narcissistic and rule the world, but more control in the sense of I want to be responsible. I felt like I needed to be the most responsible person in the room. You need something done, just ask Jennifer to do it. And you know that old saying, um, if you want something done, ask a busy woman to do it. Yep. <laughs> and so I, be I was that girl and I became that woman and that mom, the kind of person that you could depend on to get things done. So in this sense, control was taking on everything in my job before I had kids. And then kids came along and I felt like I had to be, well, in many cases, I did have to be the most responsible person in the room. It's like they had, they can't put things in the light sockets, you know, you got to watch out for them. I remember I kept a pee and poop chart for my, both of my kids, making sure that I was properly hydrating these little humans and kept it all, you know, it felt control freaky, but yet it's like, well, I got to do this. I got to make sure they're healthy and trying to figure out that balance, but sometimes just feeling like I was trying, 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 and trying so hard to do so many different things. And I began to feel weary and worn out and exhausted and still doing, trying to do all those things for my church and trying to do all these things for my husband and trying to do all these things for uh, my friends. And I get, got really tired of trying. And particularly as it relates to my kids, here's what happened. I realized that I was teaching my kids how to depend on and rely on mom. Mm. And I never wanted that for my kids. I wanted to raise up my kids to depend on and rely on Jesus. And so if I was constantly coming to their rescue, I wasn't really teaching them the thing that was most important to me as a mother is to raise them up in the faith and to rely on the Lord and 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 to fail sometimes and realize that there's something to be learned in the failing and and to learn that when things go south, there's this true north that's going to, to pull them back around. And mm. um, it became important for me, so I didn't feel so busy. Mm. But also, it really, when it became really important is when I became a mom. I'm like, I got to get over this. I, so the book was something that I had to live out in my own life. And I'm sure you've mm. talked to a lot of authors. I know you talked to a lot of authors on your podcast. And I'm sure you've heard again and again that I wrote this book because I needed it. And once I found answers that changed the trajectory of my life, once I found that that peace that I'd sort of forgotten was possible, I really wanted to share that message with other women as well. Mm. Oh, absolutely. The passions that are born out of our struggles are some of my favorite messages, and it's what women connect with. You know, we, we can't connect. And this is one of the things that you say in the book, too, that, that you can't control and connect at the same time. And that so spoke to me because uh, even relationships in my own life have been affected by my need to just do it, get it done. And I didn't realize that my, my focus had become the task instead of the person. And yes. I had to talk that out. I mean, with my friends, with my therapist even, it's like, what am I doing wrong? I thought I was doing all this good stuff. And in the end, it just wasn't true connection. It was more about controlling all the pieces. Right. You know, I think a lot of times people don't want to say, oh, I'm a control freak because it sounds like this bad narcissistic thing. Mm -hmm. And 
I think for me, when I began to really explore the root underneath of it, some of it was fear for sure. Like I'm afraid my kids are going to get hurt. And so I'm going to tell them a million times, don't text and drive and make sure you got your seatbelt on that kind of thing. But also underneath all of that was a deep sense of love. Mm -hmm. I love my kids so much that I want things to go well for them. I love my church so much that I want things to go well for my church. So here's a sort of funny example but it, that it dawned on me that sometimes I'm about the task more than the people, just like you said. So I'm the church DJ at my church. Have you ever heard of a church DJ? <laughs> no, but when I read that, I was like, I want that job. So, so it's not the worship like, oh, team. It's not the worship team. It's the we don't have DJ. Yeah, we don't have a worship team. We're too small. We wouldn't have, you know, we don't have anybody to play the drums or anything, you know, unless Helmer, though, he's 94 and he plays guitar really well. So I'm sure he would probably get up there and play something if need be. But it just seems like a little too much to ask most of the senior citizens in our church to play instruments that they haven't picked up for 70 or 80 years. And uh, anyway, we don't have a praise band, but we've got an iTunes library. And so I find the songs and I post the lyrics up on the screens on Sundays. And I care so much about picking the right kinds of songs. And so I am in control. DJ Jenny Lee is in the house And I'm back there before the start of a service and I'm getting all the songs figured out and people are coming up to me, the people that I've come to serve. And I'm just like, no, 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 basically like, don't even talk to me. Like not quite that bad, but it's like my body language is saying, don't you dare come another step closer. Like there's this song, Oh, come to the altar. And I always think come to the altar, but don't go by Jenny, Jenny Lee, (laughs) Jenny Lee. She's really like in an unchristian format of living right now. And so it, that's the kind of example, like I get so, so strident, so wanting to serve, so wanting to do the right thing, whether it's trying to run a good VBS program, vacation Bible school, or run a Bible study in our community, or, um, a food drive uh, for somebody that's that's been struggling. Like I want it to go well for the end person that in some ways I end up running over the people that I've intended to serve in the first place. Mm. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the opposite of what I want. Mm. I hear that and I, fe- I completely feel you on that because I have the <laughs> same tendencies, Jenny. And and the the connection I think that um, I felt so much with this book and that, and thus with the Practical Family audience is that I sense that there are a lot of homeschooling mamas because our audience is mostly that right now, but in effort to reach those women, whether you homeschool or not, that just want the best for their family. And what that looks like inevitably means that the best is dependent on them or on, on me as mom, right? Because mom is, is the driver of you know, of sorts in the family. She takes care of the home, whether she works or not even. It sort of still lands on mama in that traditional sense. And uh, most Christian women I talk to are happy to have that role. It's tough. It's not an easy one. But there's that sense of I need to fulfill the role that that God made me for. But mm-hmm. that can become a whole lot of extra trying, trying too mm-hmm. hard to be everything. And then, of course, you know, goes without saying nowadays social media and you see all these things that you're supposed to be. But what does that speak to in terms of identity? Like one of my favorite quotes in, the, in your book was, what are the things, if they were taken away, 
would shatter the identity that I've created for myself. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to mamas going through that? Yeah, so it can be so hard because whether we're a full-time at-home mother or a working mom, so much of our identities, if we are mothers, are wrapped up in our children. Um, And we feel like we've got one chance to get this right, one chance to get the kindergarten picture right if if they're going off to school or or if you're at home too and you do, if you do school pictures or one chance to, or maybe a couple chances once they're my kid's age to, you know, take the ACT and to do well and one chance to pick the right college And there's always this other one chance, one chance. And it always feels with kids like the stakes are high. And, um, you know, they say little little kids, little problems, bigger kids, bigger problems. (laughs) But I remember, I mean, when they were little, those little things felt like a big deal. I remember thinking, how come my kids aren't walking? Every other kid is walking. And, um, you know, how come my one daughter is not playing soccer like all the others? Is there something wrong? Why isn't she playing like that? And you know, just like this constant comparison and looking around and wondering how are they doing academically and how are they doing in the activities that they're in or how are they doing socially? Like, am I doing something wrong as a mother um, that they're not really connecting with people in the way that I want to? And it always it always comes back to me, to me, to me, as if I'm in control of what gifts they've been given. And you know, how what kind of grades they're gonna get and what kind of talents they have, it turns out Hindsight is a terrific teacher because my daughter, the one that wasn't very good at soccer, she is right now the first chair clarinet player in a national band. And that's why I'm coming to you today from Indianapolis. Instead of home, we came for her to appear in this band. And think if I would have like, we need to get you to some soccer camps or we need to get you, you know, get a basketball in your hand a little bit more. And, I, and thankfully, I didn't do that. It, it became clear that her gifts were in music. But I think that we do that oftentimes. Like, you've heard the term helicopter parent, right? Mm-hmm. Where the helicopter hovers over the child and makes sure she's okay. What I think is happening right now is something even far worse than that. And that's a lawnmower parent. The parent who sets out the path before the child. Like, come this way. Come through the short grass that I cut for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be... A helicopter parent, but I definitely don't want to be a lawnmower parent. That my identity as a mother is so wrapped around what happens to my kids next that I don't let them bloom and blossom into the beautiful mm. creations that God made them to be. Mm, yes. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, that's a heavy thought because it makes us look inside at our own motivations. And if we don't stop and ask ourselves, what am I doing to my children and why? Why is this so important to me? I come up to this roadblock often when I want to motivate my kids if they seem unmotivated, right, to do necessary things like help to take care of the house and things like that. But then it it can bleed over, what I hear you saying, it can bleed over into life ambition and who they are, who God made them to be and who, who they're going to be in, in his kingdom and the gifts that they have that I don't have. That's not the same as required tasks in the home. Yes. And we That's can... exactly right. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It, it is really, it is a really, um, 
shady line, especially when they're littler. Like, I don't know how old your kids are now, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, in those really formative years of when they're young and you're trying to create some sense of structure and order around the house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, what, but that, that can morph into this, you know, trying to shape who they are, not only as good moral individuals, but also who they will become. Like you're a straight A student, Lydia, you need to be thinking about, you know, you could be a doctor, you could be an accountant or whatever. Well, guess what? My my daughter's going to probably be eating a lot of ramen noodles in the first years of her life because she wants to go into music. Mm. I mean, how do you, like, we can't control our kids' destinies and futures like that. You know, I mean, I know that you probably had a hundred people say this on your podcast before, but about how um, God loves our children even more than we do, which is, I mean, it's a cliche, but it's also a cliche because it's true. You know, God's got this beautiful plan laid out. Don't go anywhere. We're just doing a quick break to give you a quick practical family announcement. Are you curious about what it takes to be a communicator in the online world? Maybe you've wondered to yourself, what is this blogging thing all about? Or maybe you'd like to try your hand at podcasting. Well, look no further because Practical Family has open positions for interns. That's right, we have an intern team who helps us to curate content and edit episodes and many, many more things that help to produce the amazing articles and podcasts that Practical Family publishes. We currently have openings for image curators, transcriptionists, social media help, and a couple of others that are specific to learning the back end of WordPress. If you've ever been curious and you want to use your creative energy to be on a team of other like-minded Christian men and women, this internship could be just what you need to be trained in tech skills while serving in Christian ministry. Click on the link in the show notes for more information. Now back to the podcast. So I guess I think the best thing to remember is whatever plans that we have for our children or whatever plans that our children have for their own lives is um, that we could all learn a lot by holding those plans loosely in our hands. I think it's so easy to clench our fists tightly around them, but to open our hands and see if we can let God put into our, our hands the plans that he has for us because he can't put anything into closed fists. Mm, that's such a great analogy. I love that, that we can even use that with our own hands. And that reminds me too, I can, I can actually, next time I look at my hands and I clench them tight, I can, I can remember exactly what you said. That is a great visual picture, Jen. I love that. Now, I want to ask you a question about control. Because this book is about things being under control, can you talk to us a little bit about what healthy control looks like? Because I think we all need to know that there is a certain sense of that that we need to maintain as mothers, especially as we are raising our kids. But what does healthy versus unhealthy control look like? Right. So that is such a great question. And in fact, I spend most of the first week of the six-week Bible study exploring this very topic because I think that a lot of Christian women feel like Um, all control is bad because we associate it with being a control freak. Mm. But the truth is God does call us to a measure of healthy control. 
you know, healthy control is making sure you have your kids in the right kind of car seats. <laughs> it's making sure that um, they are supervised um, out in your yard and you've got a busy road in the front of it. Um, you know, for, for us as women, healthy control is following our doctor's orders to manage our weight, but unhealthy control is excessively counting calories and following strict food rules uh, with detrimental results and obsessions. There's healthy and unhealthy control related to our finances. Healthy control of our finances is being a good steward of the blessings and the resources that God has given to us. But unhealthy control is monitoring and questioning maybe like every purchase that your spouse makes. So I think for everything in our lives, there is this fine line that uh, is drawn between healthy control and unhealthy control. And one offers us freedom and in some cases for our children's safety and teaches them about boundaries. And then the other leads us to be frazzled and has us trying to tighten our hands around everything. But I think that God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. He is a God that encourages us to live lives of self-control. And as a part of that, there will be things that God does ask us to be, you know, in control of in a way, uh, not to play God in the lives of our children or in our own lives, but certainly to have some measure of, of control because good management of our lives leads to a sense of calm and well-being. Hmm. Good management leads to calm and well-being. I, I believe that wholly, but that's because I'm, I think, a recovering control freak. <laughs> but, but what about the, the woman who finds it difficult to become a manager of her life and is kind of throwing her hands up like, well, I'm just... I'm just not organized. I'm just not, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to be that. I don't have a problem with being overly controlling because I just let things happen as they happen. What would you say to a woman like that? Oh, man, I <laughs> let me have some of your uh, genetic makeup. <laughs> Maybe I need a little bit more of that person. I mean, you know, clearly there is there there are extremes on both sides. There mm -hmm. is the control freak who has to have their fingers in everything. Mm -hmm. But there is the person on the other side who probably who feels frazzled because nothing is in control. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think figuring out what that looks like for you for time management and organizationally is really going to vary from. Uh, person to person. I don't know, Jennifer, if you have taken the Enneagram or if yes, your listeners have. have. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> I will be talking and writing about that a lot this year. So bring it, Jen. Tell us about Enneagram. <laughs> so, you know, because I am a, I, I actually tie dead even as a three and a two, mm -hmm. which means I'm uh, both a helper and an achiever. And because of that, I tend to be prone to over control and unhealthy control and having everything in order. Um, but when I'm at my best, the Enneagram would tell me that I, I'm, people can depend on me and my family can depend on me. I can keep things moving in the right direction. But regardless of where you are on that, um, on that spectrum, I think it would be difficult for me as a three to tell somebody on the other side of the spectrum how to 
get their life in order because sometimes what looks like disorder to me is actually a, brings a peace and a calm to their own lives. And so um, I, I think that you have to look at your interior life, no matter what kind of personality you are, and ask yourself that question. Do I feel free or do I feel frazzled? And the person who is a control freak can feel frazzled and so can the person who is whatever happens, happens. Um, just kind of disorganized person can feel frazzled. And so I think you have to ask that question and then determine if you want something to change. Mm. That, that, those are great measurement questions. I love that because we're different. Different things will make us feel free. Different things will make us feel, feel frazzled. And that is, that is so true with such differing personalities. Um, I'm excited for women this year. And if you're listening, Mama, just knowing that we are all created uniquely and differently. And there is a lot of freedom in knowing who you are and being able to center on that identity that that Christ has, you know, laid hold of, of, of all of us, that we are all free and, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. But beyond that, there's that micro aspect of no, but you are uniquely placed to be who you are. And I love that you allow women that freedom in your book. It's all under control because it allows us who find freedom in a certain level of control and organization to be okay with that, but to know when we're crossing that unhealthy boundary and feeling frazzled. So that's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. I like that, yeah. Jen. Thank you. One of the last things I wanted to cover with you specifically, because you have experience as a church leader, there are many women working in ministry or just volunteering all over the place in ministry, which, which is a good thing. You know, using your gifts in the body of Christ is a good thing. But we also know that there's a high percentage of Christian leaders who don't feel that sense of rest and wholeness, even though they're doing great things for God. Can you speak to that a little bit and how uh, keeping it all under control fits into that lifestyle as a church leader? Absolutely. So I actually talk about this in a chapter entitled Awesome in the book. And I had done some research and came across uh, Anne Burnett's research on the impact of fast-paced lifestyles. And she um, had been invited to speak at a conference on, quote, the pace of life. And um, when she had gotten that inv invitation to speak, it was a few weeks before Christmas and, and the flood of um, holiday cards had started to come to their house. And in all of these cards, people were talking about how busy they were how their kids were busy, how they were so busy last year that they hadn't even written a letter and everyone was busy, busy, busy from the little five-year-old in uh, multiple school activities and extracurricular activities all the way through the retiree. And as it turns out, in further research that I did, um, it, I, I discovered that likely the holiday letters of your own pastor, um, worship leaders, youth leaders might not be so different. And the thing is that ministry leaders often are overcommitted, but they feel really powerless to say no. And it's so crazy because as Christian leaders, we're called to shepherd others into this place of rest, right? right. Yet we really rarely give ourselves permission to do the same thing. Um, in this one survey, I found 752 Christian leaders were asked to respond to this statement. 
Um, and the statement was, the busyness of my life gets in the way of developing my relationship with God. And 75% of those surveyed said that that is often or almost always true of them. And I know from being a ministry leader myself that that is true. Um, the antidote for the anecdote the antidote, not the anecdote, the <laughs> antidote for me, the cure for me actually came when I was reading the story in Genesis, of uh, the seven days of creation. God created, as we know, for six days. And then what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. He, right. Okay. And so for me, I've always looked at that like, well, I am to be, I'm in the image of God. And so I'm going to work hard for six days. And then on the seventh day, I'm going to rest. But what did God create on the sixth day? That's when God created humans. So on the human's first day on earth, before they did anything else, it was the day of rest. So God's seventh day was rest, but human's first full day on earth was a day of rest. And I think that as ministry leaders and people in general, as moms, as uh, full-time workers, um, it, wherever we're at, we consider rest to be the thing that comes after we get all the work done. But the thing is, the work is never really done. So I think we need to flip the script and do as the, Adam and Eve w show us in Genesis, that their very first day, they were called into this place of rest with God. Mm, amen. Wow, I had not heard that perspective before in creation. I mean, we hear about rest and God rested, why can't we? But that was their first experience on earth. <laughs> it right. was a restful day. Wow. <laughs> mind blown, Jen. That's great. <laughs> That's no, amazing. It blew my mind too. I was looking at it. And in one of the chapters, I don't talk about it in the book as much as I talk about it in the Bible study. And it's week five is the permission you need to rest. And so as I was writing that particular chapter of the Bible study, I really dug in and I'm like, God, show me, show me passages in the Bible that even that I've looked at and known, maybe even since I was a child, but that aren't settling into my spirit like they ought to, because I'm not resting like I should. Mm -hmm. And that my mind was blown when I began to look at the, the story of Adam and Eve in this particular way. And, you know, rest happened before the work, not after it. The first two humans, resting happened on that first full day. And I, I think for me, it, it's, I've been trying to be mindful of that, being restful in my spirit before I begin my work day, which is really hard for me. Again, as a type, as a type three on the Enneagram, I want to jump in and get things done. So it's certainly not in my nature. My default is to work. But here, I, I think clearly God is showing us what, that we were designed to rest first and let our work flow out of that rest. Amen. Amen. Absolutely beautiful. So in, in terms then of boundaries in ministry, let's say we, we've rested and now when the ministry work begins, and I've been here too, I, I used to do full-time ministry, I worked for my church. It was difficult to admit at the end there when I was creeping into that burnout that I was sacrificing my family on the altar of Christian service. Right. And um, that was hard. That was hard for me to reconcile after leaving. And then when I came home, God taught me a lot about what I had done that he may have not asked me to do and what I may have done just out of order, you know, 
um, maybe yeah. not resting first. But you talk in the book about the three D's, the do, delegate, and dismiss. So when we do find ourselves, whether it's in Christian ministry or we're busy homeschool moms or we're busy moms in the community or maybe we're still working moms who need to know how, when and how to prioritize our schedule, talk to us a little bit about that do, the delegate, and then dismissing. Right. So it's a three-step process um, that I have used to apply to my daily life and my tasks, and it has been a game changer. And now that the book has been out for a number of months, I'm hearing that it's a game changer for other women too. So here's the process. Basically, you list everything that is on your plate, all the things that you are called to do. You'll divide them into three categories. And um, we'll start with delegating first. Delegating is asking other people to help, which can be really hard for most women I know to do because we're often the person helping others. And so to actually get out there and ask for help or maybe if finances allow it to hire for help. For instance, I had to hire a housekeeper while I wrote this particular book. I wouldn't have been able to get it done if I didn't have some help on some of that deep cleaning every couple of weeks. So um, figuring out where can I ask or, or pay for help? How can I trade duties with somebody else? You know, maybe there's somebody that's offered to help you some years or months ago that you could go back to and say, hey, remember when we talked about that? Might we be able to arrange something? So delegating is huge. Second is dismissing. And I think this is so hard, especially for people who others counted upon for a long time. The belief that when you dismiss that you're going to disappoint someone creates a feeling of shame. We pile more and more on ourselves because our sense of duty convinces us that we have to keep pushing and that we have to please everybody. So dismissing can be very difficult, especially if we've gotten used to meeting and exceeding everyone's expectations. But there comes a time where we have a reckoning where we need to look at everything on our list and say, God may have asked me to do this seven years ago, but is this really what he's calling me to do right now? I had to dismiss my role as a director of our community vacation Bible school program some years ago when it became clear that it was no longer time. It was my time was done with that. It was somebody else's time to do it. But I was afraid to say no because I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I didn't want to put it on anybody else. But it turns out the woman who picked up that duty did a fabulous job and was able to use the gifts that God had given her. So you delegate, you dismiss, and then at last you you get to do the things that God has, has actually asked you to do. You've really narrowed your focus in on those things, the things that God is calling you to do right now. And so it sounds easier than said than done, but I actually have a process that I take women through in the book, along with a flow chart. I'm not kidding, I have a flow chart. I love but your flow chart, then, Jen. Uh, yeah, I, I really walk them through this exercise of figuring out what to do, delegate, and dismiss. And I think this this key piece here is knowing that you are going to disappoint people. Just knowing in advance, yes, you're going to disappoint people. But for me, the freedom came in knowing that Jesus disappointed people too. There were times in Scripture where he did not stick around in a community when people wanted him to stay and heal them. Um, there are times when he disappointed religious leaders, clearly, uh, depending on who he was dining with at any particular given evening. Um, he disappointed people when he showed up late 
Well, we can see that when we look at the story of Lazarus. So, you know, clearly Jesus has disappointed people too, um, but he knew what to do because he had aligned his soul with the Father's will. In you know, always first thing in the morning, we see him quite often in, in Scripture having those soul realignments to see, you know, God, what do you want me to do and delegate and dismiss here? And he got his marching orders from the Father, and I think it's a great lesson for us as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, the flowcharts in the back of your book are immensely helpful because it's it's a visual. You ask, is this absolutely essential? Yes, no. And you, making us go through that for ourselves is one thing. And then your decision tree, should I hang on or let go? You know, when you find yourself still in the middle of, oh, I still can't decide. And that decision paralysis, I mean, I at least find for me often comes when I have put too many things on my plate. And just that point where we have to come to our own and be humble and say, okay, I probably messed up when I said yes to that good thing. You know, there's so Mm -hmm. many good things. My last question to you, Jen, is to speak to that ambitious woman, that ambitious mama who wants to choose the best things and not everything. So what do you say to the woman who is afraid of her own motives then in choosing to do good things, but wanting to be humble at the same time? Yes. So that's, that's funny. I just uh, left a comment on an Instagram post about this. Another author had uh, put up one of those little photographs that says, ambition is not a dirty word. And I chimed in with a huge amen, because I know in my own experience that I take great joy in moments when I know that I am living out my calling when I am doing great things for the Lord. And it's actually okay to feel that way. And I think that a lot of women don't realize that it's okay to feel like, man, I accomplished a lot today and I can't wait to get to work tomorrow. You can actually be an achiever and love Jesus at the same time. And I often think that Christian women believe that we have to downplay our ambition, like it's sinful to be ambitious we may think that we're more spiritual if we diminish our gifts. We might think that we're being humble if we diminish our gifts. You know, it was nothing. It's no big deal. I'm not really that good at it. Because we've been taught not to trust our own motives regarding our accomplishments. And so anything that looks like achievement becomes synonymous with conceit or arrogance. And that is not fair to God's creative work within women and men as well. And we're not called to shrink. We are here for such a small time on earth. And while we're here, we're called to shine. He has specific things outlined for us. And it doesn't mean that we're all going to end up on a stage in front of 18,000 people or write books or run a ministry or an industry with thousands of employees. But it does mean that we're going to pay attention to the calling on our lives and go after it with all that we've got. You've been listening to my interview with Jennifer Dukes Lee, author of It's All Under Control, a journey of letting go, hanging on, and finding a peace you almost forgot was possible. You can find Jennifer's links to her books and her website in the show notes and visit practicalfamily.org to check out our blog post on this particular podcast. 
Just a reminder that if you're a member of our Practical Family community, you get free access to our freebie library that contains over 40 printable resources for your homeschool, for your family life. It's all right there. Just go ahead and go to practicalfamily.org and sign up in the Join the Community box right there on the homepage. Join us next time as we talk with Jacqueline Flores and tackle the issue of dealing with pregnancy, anxiety, and not feeling like a naturally pregnant mom. This has been Jennifer Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to encourage you and families like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Thank you.